Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all of you Mastering Music listeners. I'm so grateful that all of you are listening. I'd like to take a moment now just to thank you for sharing, for liking, for listening. Everything is amazing. Thank you so much for your time that you engage in this podcast. It means a lot for me. And I want to tell you that 2020 is going to be an amazing year. We have a lot of amazing guests that is coming to Mastery Music, so I'm really looking forward to the next year, even though the past year was amazing. Our first year with music podcasting was really, really interesting. I learned so much, and from now on, it's just going to get more and more awesome, of course. And I have actually, I don't think I mentioned this before, but actually I'm doing everything uh, with the podcast for free. Takes around one me- week of working with the podcast for me and my boyfriend when we edit, when we interview, when we put questions and put everything together. It takes a long time actually, one, year, <laughs> one week, working week is so maybe 40 hours in all. So if you want to contribute to making the podcast better and so we can engage more time into it, you can buy me a coffee. It's a little fundraising thing that I'm doing now. So people can buy me a coffee, cost three euros. And then you are contributing to making the podcast better. And I will use it to make better in- interviews and have a more amazing guests. So buy me a coffee, guys. Do that. It's a good good thing. And it's not expensive. So you can find a little uh, fundraising thing here on the webpage. If you're listening from the webpage, it's uh, www.masterymusic.com. So there you can find it. So look it out. I'm just going to start with giving you a gift, of course, because it's Christmas. So my gift to you guys is Morten Rylund. It's an amazing episode with Danish conductor and violinist. And he's also a bit philosophic. He's a really amazing person. He's so fascinating. He played a big role in a lot of young musicians in, in the Nordic countries. Why? Because he's leading one of the best orchestras in the Nordic uh, section and he has this ability to make a youth orchestra sound like a professional orchestra which is something incredible. He makes these very young people from the age of some of them are I think even 12 but up to 28 or 29 years old so it's like conservatorium age uh, students he makes them play orchestra amazing and he really teach them how to play an orchestra. At least he taught me how to play an orchestra. Before I met him, I, I, I'm not sure I really understood what orchestra playing was about. But he really taught me in a really, really nice and positive way how to play in orchestras. And he's incredible. And when you hear his music with a youth orchestra, you will hear that it's incredible. The energy, the phrasing, the musicality that he can bring out of these young people is just amazing. I also wanted to read a quote here from a man that is describing Morten uh, in an incredible way. So he's saying like this. Morten is a rare and great musical endowment. 
His insight into the interpretation of the music is always thoroughly worked out. Personal, innovative and extremely compelling. Furthermore, Morton possesses the rare ability to gather the positive and creative energy that always arises in his presence and use it to bring out the best in the musicians. This is a quote from Johannes Söe Hansen, concertmaster in the DR Symphony Orchestra. So it's like the radius, the Danish radio in, uh, in Copenhagen, which is amazing because that's really how I feel. When I met Morten and everything, I really feel that this is the perfect description of him. So get ready for an episode that is not only a man of music, but also f philosophy. Morton is the conductor that makes musicians at their very early age understand orchestra music and have the ability to make them play with the highest quality. And how he does it? Listen and try, uh, try it out for yourself, guys. We will talk about how to make the orchestra play in tune, how to only rehearse four hours a day and get amazing results, how to create an orchestra and yeah, so much more is so much good things in this episode and he's a, just a, a fantastic man and a fantastic musician so i really hope that you will enjoy him he have won a lot of awards and prizes and he's been playing with great number of professional orchestras as a violinist he's also played with incredible a lot of people who is amazing musicians as well so this is just an amazing man who has so much to give and I'm so happy that I can share you with him I, I can share him with you <laughs> so enjoy this and thank you for listening Merry Christmas everyone and the music we are gonna start with is Opus 1 by the national composer Carl Nielsen it's a suite for strings and I'm actually playing in this CD so I'm extra proud is a CD called The Nordic Light, if you want to listen to the whole piece, but for now, just the preludium. Enjoy!
Welcome to Master in Music, Morten Rylund. How are you? I'm so fine. Yeah, you look fine. Yeah, I'm fine. And we are here in Malmö, in Sweden, in the south of Sweden, in your home actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you so much for welcoming us to your home. It's very generous of you. We've been traveling in Sweden a little bit now and we have some interviews here, so we are very happy that we could come here and meet you. But you are not Swedish, you are Danish actually. I, I'm Danish, yes. Yeah, but you mm-hmm. speak a little bit of Swedish. I do my best. Yes. <laughs> because your family speaks Swedish. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. live here, so yeah. I think... Why do you live in Sweden? Well, I live because I was married to a half-Danish, half-Swedish mm-hmm. woman. So my children are Swedish. also, yeah, to some extent Swedish. And, and we thought when we expected our second child, it was natural that they would have some th- the best of both, yeah. so to say. And living in Malmö is still so close to Copenhagen that, that yeah. you have can even feel you have kind of a lake in both countries. Yeah. And you live very like in a beautiful spot here, very yeah. close to the water, yeah. and very close to the concert hall. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you you can you have a very uh, easy access to concerts and to work mm-hmm. because you're a conductor and a violinist. So you have uh, a lot of work here in Malmo and in Copenhagen and in the rest of Denmark and in the rest of the world because you just been on a tour in um, uh, Romania, right? Yeah, with a fantastic youth orchestra <laughs> called Duan that I used to play in. Used to play in it, yes. So tell us a little bit, how does a day look like in, in your life? Yeah, that's a very good question, because I guess I've had times remember two days looking the same yeah. for a very long period. And I guess that's that's uh, what could be challenging, of course, in, in that, in that, uh, with that lifestyle, but also, also I think what makes it all, all the time new and fresh and and it's kind of impossible to get bored. Yeah. So, uh, but but because most of my work is in projects, as you know, and mainly in Denmark, but but also abroad. And even though I have this orchestra you mentioned, Dune, or yeah. Danish National Youth Ensemble, yeah, playing a lot of concerts, like twenty-five concerts a year or something. Yeah. But always in projects, as you remember. Yeah. Um, so. Typically, very intense projects, being even on tour or being somewhere rehear- in a rehearsal camp for five days or a week or in the summertime, like two week projects, and then doing other things, freelance and yeah. e- even playing concerts myself. Actually, yeah. um, for instance, now this morning I had a rehearsal in Copenhagen, playing myself, and, and yeah. this this uh, changing of life is, yeah, I really. Enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. And I know that you're very, like, for me, you're a healthy person. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I know you like to run as well. Yeah. Is that part of your run, like, exercise? Is it part of your daily routine? or? I, I like it to be. Yeah. Yeah. And for a, <laughs> when it's for a long time, it was. And, and, and yeah, used to do, uh, even to do, uh, to do yoga and mm-hmm. things like that. And uh, my newest hobby when it comes to even comes to health and to to the to what is good for my body is to actually do uh to go swim and mm. go even in the winter time yeah. uh, to go to the sea and and i mean we have here in malmo a fantastic uh place with with saunas and then in, in at the seaside yeah. or even in the kind of uh, like 100 meters uh, into the sea, yeah, yeah. On, uh, it's it's built there yeah 
Very nice place. I, I did it did it all last yeah. year, and it's just totally totally oh, amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, how do you feel that affects your health? Is it like some? I know that some singers do it because it like makes them not sick, so they mm-hmm. do it to prevent mm-hmm. them from being sick. But mm-hmm. what do you feel like? How? What does it give you to win the bath? For me, it's actually, of course, it's it it feels so good. First yeah. of all, being there and doing it, but also I think at, at, from a mental. From the mental side, it's yeah. extremely uh, refreshing. yeah, refreshing and and even, of course, if you if you if you go there, for, you kind of can feel you get emptied. It's it's a kind of meditation I would call it. Yeah. But even uh, even very often, I I, I go uh, away from there with some new ideas or some solutions to problems I had, something yeah. like that. I find it so uh, so uh, giving. Oh, that's nice. So good to go there. I really love to do it. Yeah, it's amazing. In, in uh, where I live in the Netherlands, we only have like this inside bathhouse where they like artificial make a cold, uh, yeah, yeah, ba- uh, you know, swimming pool or something. It's better than nothing. But I really love it. I really love it. But people think I'm crazy when I say that. But it really is like something special. Like you wake up in such a like you feel alive. Something, mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. like that. And am I remembering right when I say that you are vegetarian? Yeah. Yeah. So you eat very healthy. Mm. Or are you oh, unhealthy? I think, I think you can I think you can be in vegetarian and eat unhealthy too. But I do my best. Yeah. 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 <laughs> is it like um, do we have a special reason for being vegetarian, or is it just like uh, something that you prefer? It actually it, it was a matter of health yeah. in the first place. It was when I, I went five years ago, five six years ago. I went to India actually, oh, yeah. just for uh, like two weeks stay there, being in a place that was where it was so, just so natural to be mm. vegetarian. Then I actually just Continue. quit eating yeah. meat there. Yeah. And uh, it feels good. Yeah. Because it's really like a big thing in Sweden now that you should do it for the environment and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But, but, but that, well, that's just a benefit in that yeah. case for me. Yeah. That's, that's super nice. Mm-hmm. Because I always remember that sometimes when we are traveling with the orchestra, it can be a bit difficult to find vegetarian food in some countries and stuff like that because it's not always in the culture yeah. but I always feel that in Denmark and Sweden they always have, always have good choices but I'm not a fanatic and, and yeah. uh, <laughs> being on tour you need to compromise sometimes Sometimes better to be a living meat eater than a dead vegetarian <laughs> <laughs> than a dead conductor yeah. <laughs> you say that it's very intense but something that I experienced when I was in, the, in your orchestra was that we have very intense uh, working sessions, but we never work more than like six or five hours a day. Mm. So that's something that I really like with you as a conductor, because you never have long rehearsals, because you're very effective, and the rehearsals are very giving and intense, and we do everything in that short period, and then afterwards we can relax and play football or do something else, because we had some good football uh, tours Mm -hmm. in in your Mm -hmm. orchestra as well, Mm -hmm. as I remember it. You're really good at football, <laughs> but <laughs> tell me a little bit about that. Like, how is your like philosophy to working working hours? Because it's not so many conductors that have that, in my experience. Well, I think part of this, uh, as you call, healthy lifestyle, or I don't know, it's just how I prefer to live. But but maybe my motivation to do that has been actually to clear my mind and to be more. Uh, to be more efficient, you could say, and more creative. And I think there's there's a limit to how long you can be in a mode of high productivity and creativity. Mm. So instead of 
I, th- I still think that five, six hours a day is quite a lot, but I know that others would practice more. For instance, when we are in a rehearsal camp, I still don't do more than maybe six hours spread over the day. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've tried to achieve uh, as a conductor, as a musical leader, is to to always, kind of every day, get closer and closer to the core of what is important and to to get more and more clear and simple in my approach and to create playing style of the orchestra that is very, very easy to understand. And that's why I think it's it's worth to be very efficient for not so long time and then let the brain have its time and let let people have fun and to let let, let the subconscious yeah. mind also of everybody work yeah. and improve things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because I heard from a lot of people that I've been asking when I told them I'm going to interview you, they say, yeah, Morten Rulun, you know, he has this magic ability to make a youth orchestra sound as good as a professional orchestra and sometimes even better than some professional orchestra. And that's like the biggest compliment that mm. uh, that you can hear almost for a youth orchestra, at, at least because that's, as you as a young person, that's what you want to be. You yeah. want to be as good as the, the big musicians and the big orchestras. That's something that I really see as a, a success factor that you have, that you don't overplay your, your musicians, because also physically you cannot uh, tense or concentrate, as you say, Mm. Uh, for a long time so you say you talk about simplicity mm-hmm. and I think that's a super uh, important key in Duen as mm. I um, was a member of Duen I can say that <laughs> mm. but um, for me it's also because you have this beautiful philosophy about uh, sharing your uh, mind with the orchestra so for me it feels like you teach us the orchestra a language uh, if I'm wrong, you have to tell me that I'm wrong. <laughs> You're not <laughs> wrong in your impression. you always tell, tell us, like, pianissimo, and then, like, the orchestra make a decision together, what is pianissimo? And then we have a discussion, what is forte? What is forte? And then you give your opinion or your philosophical, like, mind, like, set of mind, and then we can always discuss it in the orchestra, but then at some point we decide what is what, and then everyone do the same. Mm. And that's really a beautiful talent that I think that you have, that you can make everyone go at the same direction. Because sometimes I feel that orchestras has a lot of problems with communications, because people have different opinions of what is a pianissimo, what is a forte, what are we doing with this music? But you're really good at communicating that. How did you get so good at that? Like, <laughs> you must have been doing so much research in, your, in yourself and in well, music. I'm happy that you feel that that it's a kind of open environment. But in fact, I believe I have a quite, I would not call it strict, but a worked through concept of many things. That comes from, as, as you say, a lot of research. And uh, for instance, what we do in Dune, as you might remember, very often we will, or not very often, we always actually would approach every piece of music, no matter style, without vibrato to simply just to hear the core of the sound and then to work from there. And that simple thing is is just working absolutely amazing. To Everything is suddenly clear, even the things that do not sound good, but then they will sound good after a short while. And then to build the sound from there. And techniques like that I have, of course, developed through getting ideas, testing them, uh, improving them, 
throwing away the ideas that didn't work and things like that. And and so that's one answer to your question is that I have since I was 21 actually I have since then always had my own orchestra and own uh, string orchestra and and even sometimes with winds but this core of strings I worked with that for nearly 30 years mm-hmm. not the same orchestra but but kind of built the same the same idea of orchestral building has been continued for a very long time uh, and I've had this amazing opportunity to 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 try out things not only thinking them, but doing them, yeah. uh, and always improving. And I mean, even even now that I think Dune has a very high level of playing, always every day. It's not a thing that I. It's not a thing that I have decided to do. It's just a matter of how my, how my mind works. That that after all rehearsals, I'll start questioning things. Just it's just happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, why this? How this? Do 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 do. Even even questioning my own methods that are really like kind of the core of the ensemble i would if i one day realized this is total crap i should do something else i'll change it yeah Yeah? and and it's i guess that that curious approach to to art to life to music is really i think important and it's but it's also what makes you what can make you uh, of course sometimes insecure Mm. because it's much much easier to just know how it is and I think for many people that meet me, I'm, I'm seeing me now, mm-hmm. uh, especially with Dune or, I mean, in, in that area, working with strings, I guess they will think that he knows everything or he knows everything how it should be. But actually the secret to, to that, the secret, like, in, like, with, <laughs> like with all other also big questions in life, the secret to... To, to big faith is to also have access to, to, to big doubt, actually, yeah. and to, to be willing to, to question things. But then about the research you are talking about. Of course, when I knew that you would come here, yeah. <laughs> and I'm honored that you would, I've just thought a little bit about, about how to explain where I am mm-hmm. and what my approach to these things is. And I think it's, it, there are many different things that are actually equally important or at least all important and without in without any of them i i wouldn't feel the same um and uh, as you know i'm a violinist too yeah so i have this course background as as a player myself i still play and and i now more and more realize how important it is how i started playing because i'm my, my i'm not born to be a professional musician in the in the way that my my both my parents were were teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father was uh, also playing a lot of music, and even uh, I mean playing orchestra, uh, amateur orchestra, and and even um, performing uh, uh, folk music and Danish songs and classical little classical pieces a lot. And I played with him when I was a teenager, uh, many many concerts or performances or whatever, and with folk music and with everything. And that kind of very simple with both feet on the ground so to say approach to music i think has followed me always Mm. a very kind of direct approach and then all the more subtle things about music and and has come to me a lot later actually which has made me feel very often when i was young i I felt kind of uh, behind (laughs) in a way Mm. Um, even i i was I grew up in 
in the province of Denmark and came to Copenhagen when I was 19 and felt just, wow, <laughs> things are happening here. And I kind of felt like there was things I, have to, I had to catch up with. But then I've had just had the luck to, to meet so many inspiring people and get opportunities. Like when I was second year of conservatory, there were friends that, um, and, and that, that they wanted to, to, to build an orchestra of students and amateurs and so and for some reason they asked me to conduct <laughs> they had some faith in in they knew i wanted to and they had faith that i could do it and and so i had my own orchestra mm -hmm. and i've had some good teachers and one thing that i thought about even this well i think that being a cellist or a violinist you should maybe make it clear that you are in a way you are two things at the same time you are you are an instrumentalist that could be actually you could as well be be a football player or or whatever mm -hmm. it's it's a skill it's it's you need to learn things it's a physical thing and and so on but then you are a musician and i think very often you are maybe too much of the instrumentalist and not enough of the musician i mean not not enough aware what is happening And uh, it's it's a thing that I'm more consciously actually now I even use these words mm. in the orchestra now because the musician and the educated musician and the the conscious musician will make decisions. Oh, it should sound like this, and then the instrumentalist should follow that. Yeah. Whereas if you play as the instruments want to, kind of, you are not never getting to the level where you should be. And and then when it comes to musical knowledge, I had I have a lot of inspiration. But one of them that I thought about these days was that I had a teacher in conservatory in musical theory, mm -hmm. much older than me, that actually turned out to become a very very good friend, and uh, I was visiting him for many years, and always talking about music, yeah. and had so many amazing mind opening discussions about harmony about structure of melody about shape of music about all that and i was totally a nerd at that time when i when i did my first projects i had i had this string orchestra all the time but then in in the late 90s i founded also an orchestra of young professionals actually called copenhagen chamber orchestra and when we were doing the first project with the beethoven seventh and mozart symphony I was just totally nerd with everything. I mean, I knew that score like it's totally amazing. With and having thought about the rhetoric of it, how this, how this, how this, how this, how this, and I think that kind of combination of being this fiddler, as I told you about, mm -hmm. like a, with the violin and just playing a Danish song for people, and then have almost a scientific, or not almost, having a scientific approach to music wanting to understand and feeling also when I when I started to conduct that it was actually my I had had to understand it in that way to to actually be a conductor mm -hmm. and it took a long while until I really actually called myself a conductor for instance when people wanted me to to teach I just didn't want to do it because I think it's 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 just I don't know to call yourself a conductor for me is a big thing yeah did it feel like You were scared of 
telling that you were a conductor because then you will have pressure to actually deliver something or no it's just that i think that that i was just very clearly aware from a young age that that when you are in front of an orchestra and if you waste five minutes there it's maybe like five hours because it's 60 <laughs> people you know yes. And of course, you, of course it's, it's, it's too hard of a pressure. But it was, of course, I was just so curious about music. And then I also felt that when, I have to, when I'm standing in front of an orchestra, I, I really need to know what I'm doing. So for a long period of time, I was just so well prepared, always. And I have thought so, so many thoughts. And I have so, ma much, um, so much influence from, for instance, performance practice. I had lessons in, in, in the conservatory with, with Lars Ulrich Mordsen, for mm -hmm. instance, and even worked with him later. And, and grew up also with, when I was young, I mean, there, the, it was becoming mainstream, only becoming uh, with, with these performance practice uh, orchestras, like Gardiner's recordings of, of, of uh, St. Matthew's Passion, John yeah. Passion, and, and even the Beethoven Symphony, all that. Mm. became a heavy influence. Even reading a book that is already by Peter Bastian called yeah. Ini Musiken yeah. was just like mind-blowing. I was 20, I remember just, I read it, and at a certain page I just realized, well, this is the point of no return. When he kind of showed a phrase of music and showed the structure of it, and I just thought, my God, everything I've learned, everything I hear around me, it just doesn't work. I have mm. to start to think all over again. Yeah. So experiences like that has just made me dive into yeah. the science of music. And now I feel at a point where I st I'm still curious. Mm -hmm. I still, I'm still looking forward to, to, to actually to, to have some of my theories proven Wrong. not the best, yeah? <laughs> yeah. to yeah. find better things. But, 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 I, but then also I feel I have so many tools and skills and so much experience now that I can play with it yeah. and I feel much more free and that's I think what should be the purpose of everything I mean to to I hope everybody that plays music begin from a from a spirit of joy and they want to play and I think we should also all go through this ah, limiting it also is of course as soon as you know something you're limited. You cannot get, get to a point where you didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have to make it your own and make you're free from it and make it natural. Yeah. Yeah? And I think I, f I pretty much feel like being there now, both with mm -hmm. my playing and my conducting. And it's just rewarding and, and so amazing. Again, like what I hear is that a good tip is like try and error as a conductor because that's pretty much what you did you tried things and if they didn't work you didn't bring you didn't keep them and then when they work you keep them like you have them in your repertoire as a conductor i also hear like i heard this tip in my head that you said that the musician has to conduct the craftsmanship or the the violinist exactly. or the exactly. cellist inside you and so you were actually already conducting yourself as a violinist exactly and should, you should you should you should be you should have kind of take the leadership of your of your uh, instrumental yeah. playing yeah. yeah and the good thing i mean if everybody now i don't know how much i said so actually when you played Fitzmaner, but now everybody coming through dune and it's a lot of people they will hear please play mistakes mm -hmm. 
and 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 I even sometimes and people the first hearing for the first time believe I'm insane when I say that if you are almost playing a mistake, please play louder, because first of all we need to to get rid of 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 this disease that I really believe is is so so much in our. Uh, uh, maybe even in the society as a whole, but at least in the classical musical environment, is this fear of making mistakes. And it's not, if you hear Dune, you will not hear an, a concert with a lot of mistakes. Actually, yeah. it's the opposite. But, but it's, there's, it's just a total, uh, other, it's, it's just another state of mind if you are vo- avoiding mistakes or if you are building up what you want to do. Yeah. And to build up what you want to do, you need to free yourself. You need to have a free muscle, a free mind. And there's nothing that you learn so much from than a really, really well-played mistake. Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> and you, your, your mind will immediately say, oh, I don't want to do that. I do this instead. But if, you, if you're tensed, if you hold back things, mm. it will be always like that. And, and that's another thing I just do all yeah. the time. It's yeah. like the jazz players, they say that sometimes your greatest mistake can be the best idea you ever had. Yeah, but that's, yeah, but, <laughs> but that's not how it is with us. I mean, playing a wrong note in Mozart is not yeah. a good idea. <laughs> no. It's just, it's the wrong note. <laughs> yeah. but, but the wrong note could be the, the access, access to the not only perfect, but the most beautiful right note yeah. next time you play. I think that perfection is, first of all, it's an illusion. And if you do not have a perfect image of what you want to do that is always ahead of where you are, you're no longer creative. Mm. And then, but then perfection could, if you ever achieve perfection, it's, it's when you, first of all, when you are in a state of mind where you don't need it anymore. That's yeah. where you could actually fly and make amazing things and make, find this sound that is kind of beyond what you thought you could do. And that, that mental environment is actually what I'm trying to create in, in Dune, in my own orchestra, all the time. And that's also when you, what the question you asked 20 minutes ago about the time. Mm. I, want this, I want this total presence. Yeah. I want focus. I want uh, energy. And then also I want it to be relaxed at the mm. same time. And that's, I'm really, really, really happy when people say that's, what they actually experience and and i think the efficiency of that is actually really amazing sometimes even myself i'm kind of of uh, shocked how fast things can move forward when you and, and it's and that's and you could say uh, when you mentioned being the conductor i call it leadership i think that good leadership is to to get the best out of yourself and then by that from others. Yeah. So I need to be in a state of mind and then even I'm asking again I'm I'm answering the question about why why running why uh, why winter bathing why mm-hmm. meditating. Mm-hmm. Of course itself it it makes a lot of sense but when we talk about music it clears my mind it makes me the best version of me yeah. which makes it possible to make you the best best version of you if you are in the orchestra at yeah. this time. And and I think it's a very important thing to to realize that if I'm just a little bit stressed, it will it will immediately be felt. Yeah. 
by the orchestra. Or maybe not felt, but I, what I'll do will just it will just decrease the quality of everything, and that's it's, then it's time for a break. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and and uh, so five hours of high quality rehearsal mm. is 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 would be the perfect day. I I really love what you say with freedom and to be relaxed and everything because I think that's a lot of things that. Uh, other conductors maybe forget sometimes because they are so focusing on, on other things but actually everything else becomes so much better when you're relaxed because it, it makes your cognitive uh, ability much better and everything is in, in relaxing actually but we as a human really when we want to make something really good we have this um, you know this uh, prima like the ape in us really wants to like struggle with the muscles like tense mm. And that's something we have to fight as musicians. And I think I learned to relax in your orchestra because mm. I was very tense, like this Thai boxing girl coming in. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm not, I'm not tensing, okay? Don't try so much. It's like, okay, we have to relax and we, mm. have to, we can play mistakes and everything was allowed. And to have that environment when you play in the orchestra is really valuable. Mm. And I think it makes such a big difference, but it's such a small uh, detail that is easily easily done. Mm. But still, I mean, being relaxed itself, of course, does not make big music. No. But if you have this, but, it helps. but yeah, yeah, no, but I mean, mm. that's that's very very important part of it. But 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 of course, there is a very very clear and visionary musical idea mm. that should be realized. But through the state of mind, state even the the the, the state of the body that you're talking about yeah. now. Otherwise, it, it doesn't work. Or it, it, if it works, it just takes much more time. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, then I want to ask you, like, do you get nervous before a concert, like playing or conducting? Like, do you have any tricks or uh, things that you do, like a routine before a concert to keep you calm? Like, do you have any triggers to make yourself your best version mm. for the concerts? Yeah, I do, actually. But first, in fact, I'm... I think as a conductor, when I'm or when I'm conducting, in fact, I'm I'm more nervous in more nervous before rehearsals than before concert. Okay. I think the rehearsal part, everybody that have that have conducted will know what I'm talking about because it's it's just such a complex situation because you are you are a creator you are when you're conducting. You are like a musician, kind of moving forward, feeling music and doing something. But being in a rehearsal, you are also always observing yourself and the orchestra and making such incredible amount of decisions all the time. Many decisions that the orchestra never, never uh, see or yeah, never see, of course, or, or hear anything about. Just should I do something about this? What should I change? Da 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 da. da what to do next? Blah 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 blah. blah. All that going on all the time. And being in concert, it's a total relief to get rid of that part. Mm. <laughs> then it will start one minute after concert, if you have a concert the day after, what was what should we do with this and this and this. But and of course that's when when you feel confident before the concert. And uh well I do that now. Mm. Uh, almost. I don't really remember in, in lately where I felt that something was so insecure that I should be nervous about. It. Mm. But anyway, I do always, actually. I have this, it's like an 11-minute relaxation file on my uh, audio file on, mm. my, on my phone. 
And it could be anything. I mean, this is just the one I use. And I used it for so many years now that as soon as I hear it, it just, okay, now I'm tuned in. Mm. And I even use it on an, almost on a daily basis mm. uh, before, before whatever, before rehearsal, before, could be before an, an important meeting if I have the, the opportunity. Because it just kind of sets me in a mode of, well, I know now that mm. I'll find the good ideas. They will come. It's kind of, yeah. kind of that. And it helps me so much. What is the name of the audio? Oh, it's yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think it's I don't know twenty twenty years old or something. Is it twenty five? It's from it's from actually from from an audio tape from a book about sports psychology. Oh yeah, yeah. I love sports psychology. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, it's brilliant. Then, but but I mean, nerves. Of course, it's it's also a very complex thing, and I mean, you can can hear. The, I mean, world star classical musicians tell about how totally scared they are still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's a natural thing. You need to cope with it. And of course, I think it's a little bit of pity if you are every concert just like almost feeling you're going to die. Yeah. So find ways to cope with it. And But if you, I think it's also important that you If you're going to do something that you're not really capable of, mm. <laughs> you will know it. Yeah. And you will be even more, of course, even more nervous. So part of part of this uh, calm, generally, I feel I have now is that I have, I mean, I'm just thinking that I'm just so grateful for my, my education. Mm. In, in I studied in Russia, yeah. moved in and out of St. Petersburg for four years from when I was 27. And what I learned there is just, I think it's the the best, kind of the best technique and teaching I could ever dream of. And and it knowing that I have that makes it just, in a way, just totally a joy to go on stage in front of an orchestra. Because I know that, that that's something I can trust. And not that everything necessarily goes like perfect every time, but But it just has felt, it gives me a connection to what I'm doing that I, that I never would have, have without. And the same way that, that when you are playing your instrument and if you have practiced and you, you have your sound and all that, then it's a matter of getting the best out of you in the situation. Mm. But you should, again, you should just know where you are because if, if some maybe... If if there's something and there are only there are not many of them, but if somebody wants to play the Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto and is not hardly able to play a scale, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and doing it in front of an audience, of course they should be kind of nervous and and even not do it. Yeah. But for most people, it's a matter of finding their own core mm. and and doing things from there. I know because. I, I have been uh, drinking coffee with you f- between rehearsals mm. that uh, your Russian teacher, uh, when you came to um, St. Petersburg uh, and you were like conducting in Copenhagen mm. doing your violin studies mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. But then when you came there and he said, okay, either you can continue conducting and be okay or you can redo all of your techniques in conducting and become really good. Did yeah, you say something, something like, like, like that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he... Uh... And then you read that's it. right. I was, I was, I went there 
after having conducted already quite a lot actually, and having conducted prof- professional orchestras, mm. recorded my first recording when I was almost 24, but just realized that it, this, I mean, there was, it was just something missing. And uh, again, like it, like it usually is, will, you will get impulses mm. to do, to do uh, what is right for you yeah. if you just listen to it. And, and this case, suddenly there was, I heard about this school in St. Petersburg, never heard of it before, and then I, two or three different people actually mentioned it. And one of them was, was uh, living in Copenhagen. I, I moved to, not, I didn't move, I just went to St. Petersburg to see what was going on, and I was just, wow, I have to do this. And then I did, uh, um, I, I went there again and, and uh, conducted in front of the class and the teacher, and I was accepted. And then, as you, as you mentioned, the day after, he just asked me, you could, do you want to just hang around here and conduct a little bit, or, or do you want to learn this really from, from bottom, learn everything? And that was, that's why I came. So, uh, and I don't regret that at all. It was totally amazing. Re- very hard time, you could say, but... but uh, yeah, I mean, but you have so to rewarding. redo everything. And I think that's something incredible about you, because you tell me also that you always question everything you do so you sometimes you have to redo things from scratch and that's quite a lot of hard work to be that willing to do that because a lot of people they just like no but now I've been doing it for so long time I'm just gonna keep doing it because it's habits mm. and also our ape in our body wants to do what we always did because it's easy mm-hmm. for our body to do that but to break patterns and redo yourself and become mm-hmm. a new person is quite uh, incredible but I think it's very healthy but yeah I mean, now just a little bit about my violin playing, because because I I did my education as a violinist first, and then conducted a lot. And actually, I thought that well, violin it's it's just it's a closed chapter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm actually I almost kind of felt that I had stopped playing, yeah. but then I I came back to it. And what I realized was that after this, really. Yeah, really deep education of conducting and even physical exercises. And so suddenly my violin playing was so much improved. Mm. So I kind of relearned to play or did it another way. And I was actually, it was also a little bit by chance that I was suddenly teaching the violin at the age of, hmm, what, 34. I was teaching some very, very talented young players at at, at preparatory school for conservatory. Mm. And there I had to rethink, or I don't, maybe I didn't have to, but I did rethink yeah. a lot of things and reinvented it and for myself also. Yeah. So I have had these practical experiences that it really, really helps. It's really, it's really, uh, it's not hard work, you could say. It's, mm. it's even more just renewing things all the time. Mm. And, and now also I'm now 49 and I think, I feel in a way that now it all starts. Yeah. <laughs> and but it starts from a very very solid ground and I know many things. I have so much experience but I've in even I feel that there's so much I want to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, and maybe this in and out of playing conducting which is of course two you could say it's it's two sides of the same thing but it's still it's two very different approaches or or I mean it's I just love when I've conducted a lot. The best thing is to uh, to just play something for myself and to just feel mm, that that, 
and to just work on this change of position and and you know really like that it's just such a pleasure and then having played a concert day after having a rehearsal and just be like yeah it's it's just totally amazing i i'm 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 just so grateful to have to have both and to be able to do to uh, to do both things at a level that is satisfying do you think that you as a violinist is gaining a lot of things like as a musician towards the conducting because you also you gain a lot from the conducting in your violin playing do you also get a lot from your violin playing to the conducting oh definitely yeah i mean um I mean, of course, of course, to be able to to make a string core sound good, mm. <laughs> then you are. I mean, that's the basis of a symphony orchestra. Yeah. But also physically, because how you produce sound on a on a violin, the how to how you actually how you pl- can play if you are aware of it with the speed of bow, yeah. with the pressure, with everything is directly you could you could do that directly with your arm as a conductor and you will actually the orchestra doesn't know it but you will get the same sound yeah. even from a wind core i mean it's the same principles of speed compression and things like that so so of course i do and and the the pureness of intonation things like that that i can work with on my violin is of course also mm. directly uh, adaptable for for orchestra and, and yeah so you have like many many things that i uh, a yeah. physical language that um, will tra- uh, transpose from your body to the musician yeah. sort of and then of course you should of course there are things also there are it's a, of course it's important to to as a conductor to not to have another to yeah but not but but to not physically also to not feel that you're playing mm. as much as yeah. you do as a violinist because yeah. you're more there uh, kind of going with uh, I, I you know you know to to let more things come to you yeah. than when you play the instrument of course yeah. that's the difference oh, okay i also wanted to talk a little bit about because i know that uh, you have this youth orchestra who is 25 to 30 people sometimes it's only strings and sometimes you invite some um, mm wings and different instruments as well mm. something that i notice in the orchestra that you do like a technique or i don't know if it's called a technique but sometimes you like to mush around in the orchestra because they have the traditional setting yeah, yeah, yeah. of where the violins and where the oboes yeah. goes and everything mm-hmm. and then at one rehearsal you will come in and you will say okay guys now you're gonna sit on a place where you never sit before mm. and with a partner next to you that you never have uh, like had a, as a partner in, in the orchestra yeah and that really mixes it up mm. can you tell us a little bit about why you do that and the benefits from it so you put like I, the, f- the first violin in the back and you yeah yeah them, i could do i could together i could just do, to give a picture of how, how we can could, yeah it. yeah or, or more likely i for instance it could typically could be like like to say that the first desk of the strings they maybe sit as they used to, but then all other desks should just move and be somewhere else. Mm. So, so you sit next to uh, next to like four other groups or something like mm. that. Yeah, and people and love this; they really love it. Yeah, in the at the at the right time, it's just perfect because mm. you will hear something else. You'll hear something new. You'll even hear yourself better. And 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 at the right time, where people feel enough confident to know that they should not be afraid of not playing good enough. Because if they are still afraid, it's not the right thing to do. Mm. But 
But after a few days or a few hours, maybe even um, when everybody are feeling relaxed enough, it's just so good and so efficient because everybody hear themselves. They take responsibility in another way and they hear other things and, and you know, everything is changed. And it can actually do miracles. And again, doing that for one or two hours could save you 10 hours of rehearsal because so many things will just... Again, it's a matter of trusting that most musicians will hear little mistakes and change them. And they will know again what would be the right thing to do. And again, something about intonation mm. that I also work with very much to get this total pure intonation and 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 make people aware, uh, simply aware. And, and that's a matter of overtones, you know, and open mm. strings and where does it sound totally free. And when you have been there and everybody in the orchestra, 25 people at the mm. same time know that, wow, this is where it should be. They will always seek to get there. <laughs> yeah. And it will happen by itself. And then sometimes I have to help at specific chords still. So listen to this one, what's happening? Do, 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 do. We do like mm. this. But... But it's the, it's a matter of establishing a level and a vision, you could say, an, an auditive vision. How could this sound? And without thinking about it, it will just get there because everybody will have the feeling when it's there. Yeah. yeah. And when sitting there in, in in other groups will will make everybody take more responsibility and and listen in another way and listen to themselves in another way. Yeah. And and again, it that's. When I did this for the first time, I don't know when, it's ideas like, like that just always pop up in my head and then I, then I do it. <laughs> and, and then it worked well. So now I do it actually more or less all the time. And I even do it with winds, put them among the strings, you know, and, and things like that. Yeah. And, even, and, and even I would do it something like that in concert if I feel that it makes sense. Yeah. So that might be the advice, try things out. Yeah. Don't be afraid to look like a fool because if I do that as a conductor, if I do something like that and it doesn't work, of course there might be one or two things, ah, <laughs> that was not a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. You need to have the courage to, yeah. to, actually, to actually look like a fool. Yeah. If you, but, then, <laughs> but then if it works, you, you might look like a genius. Yeah. 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 It's really like, a, it, they're so close yeah. between. So that's, that, try things out. Test things. And I also know that you rotate the strings, especially the violins. Like normally you have between uh, three or, or four shellies, so it's not so, so easy to rotate. Mm. But I know that the violins you have more of, so then they ro rotate, so they are not sitting on the same pult, as we call it. Mm. So, for example, like they move back and then they move forward towards the concertmaster. So mm. there's only like the first uh, shares that are there all the time. Even they change. Yeah. occasionally so people always have to step up because they cannot hide in the back <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah but it's also is it like for me it seems like a trick to make everyone a first violinist everyone a concert master a little bit like well and, and another trick or another thing that that we very often do that helps for that is in concert to have the last desks stand actually and it works amazingly well and it, it sounds better and it makes everybody feel that they are close. Mm. And again, it is something that I, an idea that I had in a specific concert, in a concert hall with acoustics that were kind of, it was not 
it was a problem actually to make it sound and to make it free. It was it was a very small orchestra and it was some very demanding music, yeah. and I couldn't make it work. And I just had this idea, like two hours before a concert. Mm. Okay, why why don't you try to stand yeah. and just work? So again, now that then you you do something, you try it out, and if it works, you have another tool. And that's how it should be. You should you should just you should just have this toolbox of things you could do even in your own practicing. Mm. Never do the same two days in a row. I think gets things that is a routine, but always then if you do the same, you should you should listen to it in another way. You should add something. You should feel if you play the same scale the same way. You should mm. feel how is my right knee right now mm. feeling or. How could I? How is the balance of my arm or whatever? Always, always add things. Never get stuck. Maybe add, add and take away things, because one of your techniques is to take away the vibrato. So to take away, yeah. So and to maybe to add yeah, 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 of course, uh, and take of away. course, of course. But by, but by the adding, I mean adding uh, new flavor. Or... Yeah, or adding adding uh, your perspective. Just listening to it in another way. So, do you have a good tip for a conductor who maybe is struggling with strings who plays out of tune? How do you like? How do you make them play in tune fast? Like we have the trick of changing the position because you said that first of all, they... first of all, get rid of the vibrato yeah. uh, because then you hear the bow. Then you hear the chord. Then you hear the bow. Then you start to create sound the same way with the bow. Yeah. And when you add the vibrato. Again, if you do, depends on the style. You do it from from a common sound, which means the vibrato will be somehow added to something that is already united. Yeah, yeah? that's the shortcut. I yeah. could talk about this for an hour, mm. but I won't. <laughs> but then more about intonation. I think you should just realize that the open strings are always there. Yeah, which means it's just like some of these. Uh, string instruments where we have actually open strings always sounding mm. yeah? yeah like like norwegian uh, swedish yeah. instruments yeah? yeah the same way with the string organ they are always there yeah. so so it if you play an a in f major yeah. you should mm. always relate that that to the a string yeah. no matter if you play open or not mm. you just need to be in tune with that uh, and then, of course, no. You should know what is in tune. You should yeah. be able to yourself uh, sing it's, and play sing. and hear in tune. Like yeah. uh, the, the, every, almost everyone knows that the major third should not be too sharp, and the minor third should not should not be too flat. Mm -hmm. Things like that. And then just to create a total, total pure intonation. If you do that just with one chord, yeah. it will spread, and and create the 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 environment for playing. In tune, which means that not not seventeen different ways of vibrato at the same time. You will never be really in tune. So if you have, I mean, it depends on the situation. You cannot go to any orchestra and say now you play without vibrato. Mm. You need to. They need to trust you in a way. But if if it's if you if was if it if it's an advice mm. for a conductor having his own orchestra and yeah. building up something, that would be a good idea. My approach. So how do you approach like an orchestra that you don't know? Because a lot of conductors are just traveling around a new orchestra every week. Mm. What do you have any tips? Because it must be a bit, I mean, scary to just go in. You don't know anyone, and then you have to. But you know the music, so yeah. I guess you always have the friend. 
in the music. Yeah. But um, do you have any? What do you do when you meet people? And I think it's never... another situation. You need to there. How do you win the trust? Mm, I think personal integrity is is the key always, and and uh, to then you of course need to depends on the situation. I mean, now we talk we talk so much about this youth orchestra uh, yeah. that that you played in also, and and there my role is to really build a sound and to to even educate the the players all the time. Mm -hmm. If you're a guest in an orchestra, that's not what they ask you to do. They want you to make some music. Yeah. And of course, you could bring in some ideas, but it will be, of course, you could call it compromising or just you need to to cut some smaller slices of what would be your ideal mm. thing and do what is best for most people at the same time. Yeah. So so uh, find a good way of being the leader of that situation. Yeah. And I think, but but if you see, I mean, the really top conductors, they of course can do everything they like mm. to do everywhere because they have this trust totally. But being young, you just need to find out what is what is possible, what is the best to do now. I and thought... it's not always best. And I have to realize that I not always knew that. It's not always good mm. to say everything you know That's or good. think. Yeah. It's sometimes it's just better to little by little play with what is. Yeah. And 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 of course it's really also a matter of respect that sometimes you can get carried away with your own ideas in a way that leads to to something that could be seen as being disrespectful because you you because if you're very young and you realize things mm. <laughs> you will you might have the be so eager to tell the world that you know that uh, it actually kind of makes Puts people yeah, yeah a little bit and has a little bit the the opposite effect mm. than what you want my hope for everybody is that they would have places where they could always be uh, working really from their ideal perspective and 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 i mean even just to stay to stay in touch with your own instrument because nobody should ever decide how i play or how I could improve my playing like that. I can do, control that totally myself. Mm. As soon as I have all the other people involved, it does not matter if I think it's good. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah. You know. So that's a leadership thing that takes more time, I think, to find the right balance in. And 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 also there, I'm happy that that so many things are still open for me. I mean, I'm 49. Yeah. Could could sound old if you are very young, yeah. <laughs> but for me it's very young, <laughs> and I feel in a way that I now I'm going to actually to actually use all the experiences I have musically, but but even more like according to how to work with people, leadership. Didn't you say one time uh, during a coffee break that you said that you when you were young it was so hard to be a young conductor because they were always like. Oh, you're so young. Mm. They were always like complaining a little bit that you were so young, and then mm. you said, "Really looking forward to when I'm fifty, <laughs> and they will take me serious, you know." Because sometimes it was yeah, hard. Yeah. Also, because I mean, you look very young still, mm, and thanks. you look super fresh. Like I, if I would, you take care of you yourself, so you know, it's not you don't look like an old man, you know, like the stereotype of a maestro, you know, mm -hmm. who is old and a little bit belly fat, and you know, yeah. was like grumpy. So maybe it's also, but maybe it's changing also the music world. 
to be more open, even if you are not looking like an old maestro. I think already it's some years ago that that <laughs> yes. I said this, but but still, but still, uh, instead of instead of now this a little bit, you said, oh, I'm looking forward to being old, so they respect me more. I would say that I'm actually. It feels good to have the age I have because yeah. I'm still there. Are many things I'd like to do. Mm. So many things I'd like to do, and so much fun I'd like to have with music, and so much music that's in my mind. Mm. My God, you should hear some of the symphonies I have in how they really could sound. Yeah, mm. that I would like to to make people hear. But it's not like when I was. It's not like let's say 20 years ago. There's I don't feel I have so much I need to prove mm. in a way <laughs> to myself first of all. And I really intend to 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 now from now on have a have more fun with things, have a more have more have a more light attitude, you could say. Yeah. Still based on a very serious approach, you know mm. that, but yeah. but and again you cannot I mean everybody have their own own way of developing themselves as mm. human beings, as musicians. So there's no fixed. This is how you should do it. No. But hopefully you will be. You will getting older. You will be at peace with yourself and be even. Even you can. Of course, I've done so. I've done even so many. What I now believe is stupid things. Being too idealistic about things. Being too uh, unwilling to compromise or. You know, yeah. but hopefully you can get to a point where you kind of smile or even laugh at yeah. yourself and forgive yourself for your stupidity, stupidity, and yeah. and just move on mm. and uh, learn and do things with more and more ease. I think that's really. I mean, I really recognize myself in what you say that you want to prove yourself. I always <laughs> want to prove myself. Yeah, and sometimes. You know, it's it's also like, why am I doing this? Like, wh who am I trying to prove it for? Mm. So I think it's really a nice thing for us to think about a little bit, like to have in the back uh, side of your mind. But I, I also wanted to know, like, what do you look for? Because for entering your orchestra, they have to apply. Mm -hmm. They have to uh, do an audition and you send up some scores and they have to do uh, like some orchestra accepts from yeah. the string repertoire. So what do you look for in a musician? What are, are, what are the things that you are searching for when you uh, have a young person applying for your orchestra? Mm. Maybe I'll just, I'll just explain mm -hmm. how it is in yeah. the orchestra. That we have, I mean, we have these auditions every year. Yeah. And you can, everybody are, are welcome to play for us. And, and we have a, just a limited amount of what we call full memberships or permanent yeah. memberships they are not more permanent than you get it for two years mm -hmm. and then you have to reapply for, for the orchestra but we we want to hear as many as possible also because we need always more musicians mm. um so then and then we are as a, a small uh, or i mean it could be bigger but we are actually usually three mm. in the jury and that is professional musician usually a cellist Mm -hmm. uh, that has nothing to do with the orchestra, and then a member of the orchestra and myself. Yeah. So, and we do as objective, as clear as possible. We do a ranking of these musicians, yeah. and then 
so to avoid, of course, that people that are friends of mine should, mm. you know, we try yeah. to make it as strict as possible. Well, not only try, we really do it strict. So that's what we look for, mm. who's ob- objectively playing best. Yeah. yeah. But what I'm looking for is actually, I'm very much into to uh, actually to rhythm and intonation. Mm. And not, I mean, you can so easily hear difference between intonation mistakes and not heard intonation. And I don't care so much again about the mistakes, but I can hear if, if I can hear when people play, if they have a really good ear, if they are like this. And there I get always very curious mm. to, to get more of that. And by rhythm also, you can hear immediately if, if there's, there's a rhythm, natural rhythm in the body. Or if it's just always a little bit shaky. Yeah. But still, I'm not like, oh, it's not there. It's totally, I cannot use that. I'm, I have this, <laughs> and I'm actually really not the best, I think, to say this one is better than this one, that is better than this one. I mm. think it's very hard, actually. Yeah. Because I always hear immediately what could be improved. How could I help there? What, yeah. could we, what should she learn? What could he do better? Like that. That's how I hear things all the time. And I think it's very good for coaching, but it's maybe not even not. <laughs> for instance, I I wouldn't like to be in a competition and having to say who's the best. Yeah. I think it's just totally hard, Everyone and I have had to do that a couple of times. But I really I, I kind of don't like it yeah. because uh, because I re- I'm feel really insecure because I doubt it again. I doubt it. I see well, there's something there, but there's something there, and there's something there. And see, mm. the more complex you see things. The yeah. more hard it is to give a very, very strict answer. But uh, I think your auditions are very friendly. I did yeah, it I uh, so. two, two times or three yeah. times. I don't know. I think you did. The first time I didn't enter. So, and the second time I got in. Yeah. But it was really nice because you always got this nice feedback afterwards. Uh, I think it was, I'm not sure, maybe it was Token Mundrup, the yes, cellist here, who was, was, he gave me some feedback and then the next time I could work on it for half a year and then I came back and then I could enter. So I think it's like, Maybe you look for some things and the things that they haven't learned yet, then they can improve and then mm. come again, mm. which is really nice. Mm. Your orchestra is very unique because the people don't pay anything to enter it and all the traveling costs are actually paid mm. for, which mm. is incredible because out there in Europe, you pay a lot to enter an orchestra, youth mm. orchestra or anything else. So it's really a privilege and it's such a fantastic opportunity to mm. travel and play a lot of concerts and go on tours and learn how to play in orchestra. I think that's the big, biggest like thing that is really educational, but you also work as a as an orchestra. So you feel like like you're almost professional, but you're like really learning the, mm. the profession and feeling how the profession is is made and, and done. So it's almost like an internship, but with people in your own own age. And the ages are from fifteen to twenty five ish. 17 to 27 hours, oh, we okay. changed that a little that's bit, yeah. Okay, so th- that's cr- pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to briefly go through how you learn a, a, mu- a music piece, <laughs> if mm-hmm. that's possible, briefly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do you approach it from the beginning? Where do you start? I begin with, to me, structure mm-hmm. is the key word. And actually, I have a recent uh, experience where I really needed to learn something pretty fast so then i it's very obvious what i do and and kind of gets into the most important things 
Yeah, you recently and had to jump yeah, in yeah, yeah. after one day. I had day. a score on the Sunday <laughs> evening and at rehearsal on Monday. Yeah, uh, that's beautiful. In a, in, a, in a piece I didn't know. And there was a recording, actually, so I could just listen through. But, but what I do is actually, even physically, I have a, a, some pencils and I do with a more thick pencil or stronger mm. line, I do the main structures. And I really kind of do like this and write in the score. And I first of all, of course, I need to understand the structure. And then I just put it down like four plus four and two plus two bars and things like that. So the architecture, the overall architecture of of the piece, of any piece, could mm. be a solo piece or, or an orchestral piece. And that's a way of thinking that I have refined during the last 25 years which of course makes me able to to i mean i think in structure i cannot see a piece of music without immediately thinking in structures yeah. and thinking in phrases and and then there are many things about music that are they are just as they are the structure is this way mm. and then you could decide or you could let come what should happen to it yeah and and uh, and that very i mean for me it's just to go for what is there write it to to like i said with the pencil and the bar lines yeah then yeah. of course there's there's harmony there is uh, in if it's a score there's instrumentation of it and then having done these things knowing what's there it already speaks to me so clearly that i don't i don't have to do anything it's mm -hmm. just it's just to me it, Always, it's totally uh, clear what to do, yeah. and that's maybe <laughs> that. I don't know if it's a talent even, or if it's just something that happens. That's probably the main reason why I conduct, yeah. because I've had this feeling of clarity mm. or music speaking to me so loudly that it wanted to play, play this way. Yeah. That uh, yeah, have to actually, it. as yeah. long as I remember. And then gradually, just of course, being able to read it much better. So, yeah. so, so of course, I mean, all the classical things you could even I'm, a Haydn symphony I've never seen before. I'm, I mean, I can, of course, I can kind of just read it yeah. and understand it. Of course, I'll get deeper into it, but but mm. understanding the language, getting a, a totally new piece, you have to to maybe first perform even. Yeah. It's. It's just a longer process, uh, and sometimes, some, I mean, uh, sometimes you get music written in a way that you have never seen before. Yeah, and it's totally a new language, and just, but again, you cannot be ahead of yourself. You can, I mean, again, if we if we're doing this podcast yeah. to help young people, yeah. most <laughs> of all, I guess. So if you are. If you are 20 or 22 or 24 or 27 or 35 yeah. and you're conducting, you could, I think you should always try to organize what you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you should not, I mean, if you make decisions and think, oh, I think I, sh I, I want to do this here. Maybe you're not totally there. Maybe sh you should get to a point where you just kind of know how it should be. And and even stay with things that you know already, and just get deeper into it, and get your own 
way of structuring things. I mean, I could show you if this was not uh, audio, but if it was a video, I, I could a I could show you in a score. I would like to do this, 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 yeah. write this, do this, and then to me it makes totally sense. I think everybody needs for themselves to find their own way of organizing what they mm -hmm. see and what they know, to be very well organized, and then to allow allow creativity and and feeling the music because yeah. this is not a this is not about restricting how it could be to me it's totally freeing yeah. to know the structure of a score to to understand it this way makes me i i feel i i mean i i think about leonard bernstein he he he, he actually said that that on a good night in concert mm. i feel like if i composed the music Uh, right there. Well, he was a composer. Yeah. I, maybe I'm, I'm, I don't feel I composed the music, but I feel I'm just so deeply in it and that anything could happen right now and it just happens totally by itself. Yeah. But it's based on, of course, on knowledge and structure and yeah. analysis and the technique of conducting and all that. But the end result should be to be totally free. Yeah. Not thinking, feeling. Yeah. And And I think that's the ultimate purpose of all music performing is to to let the the strong clarity of mind all the thinking all the yeah the scientific way yeah. to that to to meet with the total uh, pure feeling of your heart and of everything and let that meet when that meets mm. you're there yeah i think for me what i'm hearing is that it's very important to have an end result ready Like in your mind that you have an end result and then you can always go from that end result backwards and then work towards it. So, so yeah, helps. well, but you also need to, when you get a, get a piece of music, a score, or you need to, of course, you need to, to build in your mind, you need to see this music uh, at so many levels and by then get to an end result. And then what you say mm. is when you then, when you, then you, kind of go all the way back and then that means, okay, this little detail has to be played this way to fit into the end result. Very often, I mean, from a rhetorical point of view, you could have little, I mean, sometimes little cells or little, little themes or little rhythmical patterns could be played maybe slightly different ways. And it's, it's maybe in a symphonic movement, it's there all the time and maybe at the last page yeah. you'll realize of course it should be like this yeah. and but if you don't think like that if you think oh it could be there it could be like that there it could be like that there could be like that, it would be kind of by chance mm. you should understand that the great composers were just so amazing architects and that they they have built this these totally amazing structures and 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 big 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 world well, yeah uh, or 15 minutes of one movement yeah. very often built from very few ideas and you need to search for these ideas how what is what is at the bottom yeah. where did they start in a way yeah. and try to understand that of course you should there's nothing like it is like this but you should just search for it yeah. and as i said very often at the last page it will be clear and then you will understand how should page one be played yeah yeah You have to read the whole book before you start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Søren Kierkegaard, the famous Danish philosopher, there's a book about him. Yeah. 
that where the title of the book about uh, one of the many books about him says that uh, life has to be understood backwards but must be lived forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a very good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I really, like personally, I started to color all my scores because uh, I'm dyslexic, so it's very hard for me to read music, actually. Yeah. I realized that very late in my life. Mm. And then when I started color it and structure everything up and having different colors for different things, mm. it's so much easier. And I cannot imagine why I didn't do that when I was younger. Mm. But it's it's really a small, a big thing that makes a, a big difference. I was thinking now, uh, towards the end, I would like you to give some recommendations on book to read. Some book huh. readings for us. Because I know you oh read a lot and you have a lot, of, cause a lot of books in your mind that you, you got inspired from. So, Well, actually, I didn't read so much lately. but, but uh, We have already mentioned one from the, um, the one that was a bassoon player in Denmark. No? Oh, yeah. Any musik. Yeah. Yes, it's already... In in oh, the music. Into the music, yeah. And uh, I think, of course, I mean, if you are a string player, I think uh, I think at least knowing parts of of uh, Leopold Mozart's yeah. school of violin playing is very interesting. Yeah. And telling a lot about things that, yeah, about how it was, what was the style and what was it then. Of course, there's so many books about about uh, musical performing that is interesting. I I would also recommend actually the more mental side of things. And there again, there's there's so many 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 amazing yeah. books. Of course, I mean a classic is is Eckhart Tolle, Power of Now, mm. that is about uh, presence and and again what I think is possible to create for yourself and even in a group is this being here right now and uh, or at least facilitating at least being just aware about the importance of that no i i think that's it because i think uh, just i mean that it's so easy now because because i mean when i was young i mean i mean i would need book recommendations it's just actually if you you just google something and things yeah. will will pop up and 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 i think it's really really a privilege how many amazing things. Maybe you don't even have to read the whole book. Maybe you just read the 10 most important quotes from yeah. a book, yeah. things like that. Or even even just Google Einstein quotes and you'll yeah. have like 10 totally mind-blowing, amazing little Precious, sentences. And yeah. if one of them, if one of them talks to you, it's it's very good. I think it's so hard. I might have done that earlier, but I think it's so hard to say, this is good for you, this is good for you, this mm. is good for you. It's so individually what what really uh, hits your mind right now, what changes you. But yeah. just let yourself be changed. Yeah. <laughs> let yeah. yourself be inspired. Be Don't get stuck. Flexible and curious, I think. Yeah, that's key really keywords. I would like you to give an advice now in the end to a person in the music school, mm -hmm. a person at the conservatorium, and a freelance musician or professional musician. You can give different advice. It doesn't have to be the same. But one advice to a person in a music school, for example. Um, a teacher? Uh, it can be a teacher or a student. Or both, if you feel. Stay alive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, I think if you're a teacher, be curious. Be, uh, question things. And also forgive yourself for not being perfect because it's not possible, but kind of realize 
how much you can change and mm. try to do it and realize that you cannot do it all. And if you're a teacher also, try to get inspired, and you do probably, but, but, but realize how inspired you can be from the students yeah. and how much it can affect your own playing in a good way to, to actually... And, and no, one thing, and it could be... Could be I, I'd like to quote Einstein, actually. Yeah. Excuse me if it's not perfectly right. You could Google that in 10 seconds. But he said something like, if you cannot explain things simple, you just don't know them well enough. Mm. And that has been, for me, it has been kind of a, a, a guideline. And of course, again, you cannot do that 100%, but I really try to actually clear my mind so much that I can make, that I can create clarity and simplicity. It should be, if you're a teacher, it should be so that in the ideal world, at least, that what, what, whenever you say something, life has become more simple, more easy to understand for the student. As soon as you feel that something is getting more complex and you need to explain more, maybe you are a little bit off-road. Maybe that would be where you could think, oh, maybe I could do that more clear. And again, realize that you cannot do it perfect. Yeah, I think that's super good advice. And for a person in the conservatorium? A student? Yeah, a student. Realize that you can learn from everybody. And if you feel now that you have the perfect teacher, be happy. And then after a while, look for what else is there. Just to, again, still stay open-minded. If you are maybe feeling that you are not in the perfect place, again, take everything you can from that teacher and just be inspired from everybody, everybody else. And one thing I learned in Russia, actually, that I might that might be an advice, is that it's not, it's not a risk to do what everybody else wants from you. As you can learn a technique, you can learn even a certain way of playing, even though it's not exactly how you would like to play, it might be the good thing to do right now. Okay. Because also as a student, you, you, I mean, you need to trust that you will, you will find your own way. And I hope you will meet teachers that will provoke you and will make you play in another way that you thought it should be, because it will, it will uh, increase your your ability to actually find new colors. And I hope that you will not stay the same with the same ideas and as when you're 22, when you're also mm. when you're 42. I mm. hope you will let yourself be provoked in other directions, and trust that you can always go to yourself and say, what is me? When I went to Russia, I realized that, that I w because I already then had very clear ideas about how to perform music, but I just realized that was not the purpose for me of being there. And it was better to say, okay, how is the style of doing it here? And then to learn that. Much, much better. Yeah. So, and I'm not talking about just losing contact with yourself, but go with what is yeah. and just learn even even if something is even you can learn from things that are in your opinion wrong mm. it will clear your mind of what is right yeah. so don't be afraid to go all in no, that's very nice I think it's a very good advice because the 
It's a little bit like William Peace writes in his book The Shallow. He said that if you never seen a tree, you would think that the tree is very weird. But if you're living in a forest, it's very natural. Mm. So you should always tr at least try it a little bit. Like broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> it's good for you. <laughs> and for a freelancing musician or a professional, maybe you have some advice for those years after the conservatorium. Hmm. When we are advices, I, 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 as you might feel, I'm not so fond of giving advices because it's, 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 it's a little bit like trying to be clever on behalf of others. But okay, what my, did maybe, you maybe, maybe just, just as I see it now, I think the the musical environment is changing quite a lot uh, these years. And and where when I was a student. A violinist was supposed to play in an orchestra. Mm. I mean, that's that's the purpose of becoming a violinist, or that was, of course, or a soloist or whatever. And I think that there's been the, the classical musical environment, at least here, is under some kind of pressure, and it's not take, taking for granted the same way that there will be as many positions in an orchestra now. And I think that has changed the mentality to thinking more open-minded or you could say more broader to what is a musician and what could a musician be and that is not an advice it's just i just would hope that more would just go with that mm. and understand that that maybe you cannot right now see exactly the way but it will be there yeah there's a way for you also the way you want to do things be open-minded with with how could you be a musician. Try to, if you are maybe, if you feel that, oh, if I, I should have, I have deserved to be in an orchestra and mm. be there full time and have my salary and live there until mm. I die, mm. uh, maybe you should consider that it's not necessarily how it should be. Yeah. Uh, it's not the only option. It's not the only option. There could be other options. Yeah. And, and, uh, because I think we need to to not go too much with the pessimism of mm. oh, and I'm not saying it's good at all with the with the cut downs of orchestras, but I mean things cannot always maybe go the other way, and and even Mozart had to teach, yeah. <laughs> and and just just try to find find your way, mm. and I think there will be I mean no, even now I think there are more. Uh, ways of being a musician that there was, and I hope there will be even more. Yeah. And that music will spread in a way also because because you find new ways of of performing and new ways of audiences and all that. And I think that should come from the young people. And yeah. I have the trust. I see so much talent. I see so much entrepreneurship. I see so much creativity, and and even this open mindedness of what could be my role in yeah. society. That I'm actually I I feel so confident that you will find the way for us. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I think that's amazing advice, and I really can identify myself in it, because when I realized that I don't have to sit in the orchestra, I was so liberating. I was like, oh my god, there's there are so many things I could do actually. Mm. I don't have to sit in the orchestra, and maybe I shouldn't because maybe it's not my 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 life goal. Maybe that's not what I'm best at. Maybe I'm good at doing other things instead or doing other kinds of music. And for me, it was super liberating. Mm. And uh, I didn't think about it even. 
but uh, to see it as an option is really important. Well, uh, I'm going to release you. Thank you so much for uh, being in our podcast. Mm -hmm. I feel like I am the richest girl in Malmö right now. (laughs) I got so much musical richness and inspiration. And that's just so amazing. I am so happy that I could come here and share you with the world, Morten. Mm, Thank you so much. We need more Morten in the world, I think. Oh my God, thanks. (laughs) And if we want to follow you, we can always follow you Orchestra, Duen yeah. Orchestra, on Instagram and on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And you have a professional page as well, Morten yeah. com. Yeah, uh, a very beautiful pictures, <laughs> really inspiring pictures as well. Mm-hmm. And we are looking forward to, to see you. Where can we see you next time? Where can we hear you? Where, where should we go? Well, I should actually, you mean you are very kind. About my website, of course. I mean, I, there should be something more, and there will be some audios also. Um, you are on iTunes, so you yeah, can yeah, yeah, find yeah, it yeah, there. yeah. But even, 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 even more. But follow these, follow, follow me there, and there will be and, something and to listen to. Discover. The next, the next concert is. I mean, the next I'm doing is actually with. Yeah, uh, the Duen. No, they do. No, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I'm doing concert also, but with the orchestra, yeah. it's it's in a festival. A couple of weeks. In Holstebro? Yeah. yeah. And even one of the concerts will actually be uh, be broadcast by the Danish oh. National Radio. So you... Then we can listen to it. That. Yeah, you should listen. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much. And good luck with the, the future. And thank you for uh, being in Mars in Music. Thank you. And oh, before we stop, you have to tell us the story about Neil Gao. Because we're going to listen to Neil Gao's Lament. Yeah. In a few minutes. It's... the Neil, uh, Neil Gao's Lament is is, uh, I think, a very beautiful tune. And there are two stories I'd like to tell about, actually. Uh, one is that a very good friend of mine, that he he, he actually passed away five years ago or something uh, in cancer. Was a, he was a Scottish uh, folk singer. And he he showed me this tune. He played this one to me, I mean, I don't know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. I don't know. And I was totally blown away. And I just thought, wow, my God, if if I could ever play that. And then somehow it just, I did it actually, and it just became kind of mine. But still I own to Alistair Fraser that played this recording. I didn't hear it since then, but uh, that inspiration actually I had from him. So it was mm. a little bit to, to give him that. And then I, I I played it and I made an arrangement for for strings also that we played a lot and yeah. that's why I asked me because though. you actually were in the orchestra when we recorded it also mm-hmm. and now to the to the story about about the tune itself um, it says that and stories like this have to tend to become better and better yeah. but it is a very beautiful story mm. that Neil Gao became quite old for the time. This tune is from about 1805. Mm. And I think he was around 70 at that time. Now I'm just telling the story by heart, so there might be details. And, and, um, and his first wife has passed away, I think even some of his children, and now even his second wife. And, and so the story tells that, that he, he got what we today would call depressed, Simply and and stopped playing, and just uh, went around his dark thoughts, 
until after a long time, friends made him play again. And that the first tune that he played was this melody called Lil Gao's Lament for the Death of His Second Wife. So we are going to listen to
Oh, third.